Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I am your host, Casper. And I'm Becky Gremlin here, guys. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, because... Wednesdays are for podcast. So we have an exciting episode today, guys. We have Mr. Tony Wash, director of Skeletons in the Closet, and a movie called The Rake that we also watched. And we have Ben... I don't want to pronounce your last name wrong. Is it Lewandowski? Pretty damn close, Lewandowski. Good job. <laughs> awesome. Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and he is the co-director of Skeleton in the Closet. And did you uh, work on the rake as well? <laughs> We're not going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really tired of talking about that movie, but I know we don't have much of a choice. Yeah, I did work on the rake to answer your question. Sorry about that. <laughs> That is all right. That is perfectly fine. Um, so as far as your guys' background in the uh, movie industry, what got you guys started into wanting to be directors? Go ahead, Ben. Uh, well, I didn't want to be a director. I went to film school, actually, to um, be an academic. I wanted to be a uh, film professor. Um, I wanted to teach uh, film history. And to make a long story short, I started spending a lot of time with the, the film department, the active, the active filmmakers, and then learned very quickly that I could make money um, by editing. Because when you edit a motion picture film like I did, that's, that's how old I am. I went to school a long time ago. And uh, I just started, I started working in the, in the editing room, um, and then one thing led to another. And I slowly switched majors and became a filmmaker. It was not, a, it was not my intention. Tony's probably got a different story. I think that might have been Tony's intention. That was not mine. No, I, I worked at a video store. I mean, I always wanted to be a film director. I think probably since I was about 10. I had uh, written a uh, probably a 10-page script for what was going to be a kung fu movie that my friends and I were going to shoot in my backyard. Um, <laughs> with some really inventive camera angles and whatnot. And I was going to use my mother's uh, movie camera from, you know, that was from like probably 1988. So um, super old school. And, uh, and then in high school, I ended up working at a video store, two different video stores. And that really just kind of solidified my appreciation for film. Um, I went to a regular college and got a bachelor's degree in just communications and art. And did some independent study work, but didn't really immerse myself in film until I went to Tom Savini's effects school in Pittsburgh um, when I was like 24 is when I started there. And as I was going there, like my third semester, um, second or third semester, we were kind of like taking a lot of photographs of our special effects work that we were doing in class. And I was just like, this is stupid. We're going to school to do makeup for movies, but we're taking photographs of our makeups. So you don't get to see how the makeup moves and how the person is able to interact with it and emote. And so I kind of devised a, a plan to shoot something while we were going to school so that all my friends and I could showcase our effects work in a, in a, you know, a, a moving picture as opposed to a still photo. Um, and that's kind of how in one way or another, my, my first feature, it's my party and I'll die if I want to came to be. 
Um, and then I just never stopped from there. I kind of, you know, spent my life savings making that movie and said, well, fuck it. At this point, if I stop, then what was the point of wasting my life savings making this movie? And, you know, I, um, it was, uh, it was a big change in my life. So I was like, I, I've, I've jumped off the cliff. I gotta, gotta keep going. So here we are 15 years later. Wow. That's awesome. That's very awesome. I actually was looking at your IMDb page and I was looking at what you uh, had done and I, I want to watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ones, the ones that Ben wasn't involved with uh, that we didn't work on together aren't, aren't as good. Now, um, how did you guys meet? Hey, ben, give it to him. You're so good at telling this story. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is it overtly complicated version of it so in 2012 i wanted to put together an anthology film using a bunch of chicago-based horror directors and tony and i have a mutual friend named tony DeGratz. he's a local chicago milwaukee actor he was cast in tony's world war ii zombie short chance in hell so I called Tony Lee up and I said, hey, what's going on with this Tony Tony Wash guy? Is he a freaking crazy person or what? He's like, yeah, yeah, you'll like him. So in March 2012, when I was in California, I called, called Tony from the uh, hotel lobby and said, look, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I want to put an anthology film together. And here's what I'm proposing. We're going to make uh, four different short films. Two other guys. Actually, at the time, it was five different guys. And uh, you'd be responsible for the a short film budget. We'll put them all together and we'll have a feature. What do you say? And for whatever reason, Tony's like, all right, I'm game. <laughs> and that's how that whole thing got started. From a simple phone call. Yep. And that, that project ultimately evolved into what became Skeletons in the Closet. The... The movie that the widow and Charlie are watching on their show, Chop Shop, was originally the project that drew Ben and I together. It was uh, oh, wow. a concept that he had incepted, and he gathered a handful of different filmmakers. And um, ultimately, after we shot our, our short films, um, we decided to kind of disband the project for creative differences. And and Ben and I kind of always stuck together and began working on other stuff after that. So we always just kind of stayed in touch, became really good friends. And, and that's why we've continued to collaborate since then. Plus we, we seem to work pretty well together, which is good. It's, you know, creative people tend to have egos and, and it's a hard, and I'm sure I've got one. I don't know if Ben does, but I've probably got one. Um, and you know, it's sometimes <laughs> it's tough to, to try and collaborate with other people who also have egos because everybody wants their way or the highway. Been there, done so, that. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have a pretty good symbiotic relationship and it's, it's been pretty awesome. We've been working together for seven years now. You can believe that shit, Ben. Seven freaking years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was longer than my first marriage. Wow. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty awesome that you... Young. Three? No, 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 no. I'm. There's no Liz Taylor here. I'm, I'm, I'm number two, and it's done. I'm gonna have to kill him. This, I'm, I'm done with that. That's it. After this, if you're gonna kill him, poison him. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
poison him. Just we'll be like. I was gonna say you're literally gonna turn in the widow and Charlie. We literally would would be widow and Charlie. Like I would kill him, but I would keep him. <laughs> like he he wouldn't go anywhere. He would he would stay with me. So <laughs> I'm yeah, totally like I'm giving it away are, right now, but. <laughs> I, I know you guys said you wanted shirts, so you just got to order a shirt, and then you get a free bottle of Widow's Kiss. We were actually just, just talking them. about that. We were, we're yeah, we're going to order those very soon. <laughs> I was hoping I would get a bottle of Widow's Kiss, so yay! Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not serious. I, I no. thought about doing that, but it would cost me <laughs> I, money to actually buy those little medicine vials. Those were expensive. Yeah, they are. Hey, we're going to get sued. <laughs> Why are we going to get sued? Because we're going to have, somebody's going to go and murder somebody in the name of the widow. Yeah, someone's going to take this shit seriously and be like, but the, but the widow told me to do so. Slenderman told me to. It'll, yeah, it'll end up on, on Oxygen or like one of those. Dateline 2020. And, and uh, you know, and movie inspired murder. Oh, that's, those are the best. Um. <laughs> I did, uh, I actually had a question that I wanted to throw out. Um, were there any movies that you guys were fans of that inspired Skeletons in the Closet? I'm, I mean, I know I'm personally a big anthology film fan. It's kind of nice to, we actually, yeah, we both are. <laughs> I, and I kind of like ones that, where they start off as separate stories and then they all kind of end up connecting together in the end like the, were there any movies that any anthology movies in particular that you guys were fans of maybe not even necessarily horror that inspired it hit it Ben <laughs> uh, let's see uh, I would venture to say that because of the time period in which we started making this I'd be lying if I said uh VHS wasn't a huge, not inspiration, but it was a catalyst. Um, I wanted something because remember the the initial version of this anthology was a, was like a Tony said it, it was a movie called Chop Shop, which was supposed to be a lot, a lot grittier, um, a lot faster, uh, a lot dirtier. So I would say a lot of it came from 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 that place. I think as we moved into Tony's version of the anthology once it became skeletons um terror vision was a huge inspiration oh nice yeah. <laughs> what is this some kind of algae <laughs> <laughs> that's it and of course, a manly man <laughs> and of course I, i'd be i'd be remiss if i didn't say creep show was a major inspiration oh yes. wow right night what a mm -hmm. fright, night. fright night classics Definitely night. classics. Fright night, big, yeah, yeah, big time. Um, obviously, Elvira and uh, Tales from the Crypt were big. Um, Tales from the Dark Side. Um, but uh, yeah, just mostly those those mid '80s horror films that all have the same look. You know, Night of the Creeps has that look to it. Um, so movies like that. Um, now, I got a question for you, girls. Because you said that Skeletons in the Closet is your favorite anthology film. So if that is, in fact, true, what did we surpass? What was previous to Skeletons your favorite horror uh, anthology film? Well, you couldn't actually see me <laughs> when he said VHS was a catalyst. VHS is probably... It's, it's one of my absolute favorites because... 
the siren the siren story was one of my favorites and um i like most of all of the uh, stories that are in those vhs viral was kind of meh i didn't really care for viral but i liked vhs i, I didn't either yeah, I did just kind of went a little bit too far with that one, but VHS and VHS two, um, I really, really genuinely loved, and um, I also have a huge love for Southbound. Yeah, I'm actually um, next week we're going to LA for the premiere of our our Sid Hey Grindhouse movie High on the Hog, and uh, I'm actually going to be having drinks with um, the guys who did. Uh, amateur night which is the the siren short in vhs very and, cool uh, so i'll tell them that they've got some fans <laughs> awesome so what's what's yours becky what's your um, anthology film you know i dare i say and again you know this is showing not that i didn't i mean of course i liked vhs but tales from the dark side the movie i mean of course the show but definitely tales from the dark side the movie if i if i had to pick my favorite anthology film by far that that this one surpassed. Yeah. Dare, dare I say as much of a classic as that one, but that one was, but uh, yeah, I mean, just the way the whole story came together and then of course all the people that are in it, I mean, and, and I've, I've had a crush on Debbie Harry for as long as I can remember. So <laughs> that helped. And so <laughs> Dare I say that yeah, the widow sort of is, she sort of kind of reminds me a little bit. God, of, I love LA Church. Harry, dare I say. Yeah, we we wanted to do something different. You know, I was very anti-dark-haired, you know, kind of midnight goth, you know, queen type of look. You know, the Elvira, Vampirella. Um, I just, I didn't want to go that route with the character. And, you know, for the longest time, she was never called the Widow. It was just Charlie. Because Charlie is my Scottsworthy Productions, my company. Charlie is the the, the logo of the. He's the mascot for Scottsworthy. Right. So he always had a name, but his wife in the show never had a name until um, one night I was sitting reading the script that our co-writer Johnny Lusick he had been working on like the dialogue for us. And one night I was reading it, and I was just like, "We got to give this chick a name." And it was just like, well, why not call her the widow? I mean, that's perfect. She murdered her husband. So, um, and, you know, Ellie had worked with us on High on the Hog. And we, after working with her on that, immediately were like, we've got to try and get her to be, you know, the hostess and, and skeletons in the closet. And so it was great because her, you know, vibrant blonde hair um, really helped her stand out from being you know, the stark opposite side of the spectrum from Elvira. Um, Cause we didn't, we were afraid, at least I was afraid. I'm sure Ben can attest to as well that you don't want to be lumped into a category where you're just copying what everybody else has done. And exactly. if she looked like Elvira, everybody would just say she's an Elvira ripoff. Right. You know? mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So um, you were saying that Ben is, uh, it started off with your, idea for the chop shop who came up with adding like it was originally supposed to be chop shop but who came up with adding in uh the widow and charlie and making it kind of like inception kind of thing where it's like a movie in a movie oh that was uh 
that was all uh, that was Tony's concept. In fact, interestingly enough, the first time Tony and I had ever talked, um, he had said to me, "You know, I've I've been I've had a, a, a anthology idea in my head previously, and it was it was SITC." That had been brewing in his head for a long time. So it's just kind of fortuitous that we were able to successfully merge both uh, both infrastructures, I guess is what you could call them. Yeah, we, um, I had the concept for Skeletons in the Closet in my head since college. So it's been almost 20 years now, I'd say, where I wanted to do this host hostess dual dynamic of kind of the Peg and Al Bundy you know, bickering because she murdered him um, and keeps his body in the basement. And so it, it was something that I've had for a long time and it just was never utilized in anything. Um, and so then, you know, we had these two short films. I had done Grandma O'Malley's Pantry and Ben had done The Dismantler, which is the two guys in the junkyard, the two robbers um, being chased by the ghost. And, yeah. you know, these we have 50 minutes worth of content and we're like, you know, what are we going to do with this? And then there's the wraparound content as well, which had the, the first person point of view of the guy in the junkyard being processed in the camper and, you know, um, kind of like going through purgatory, so to speak. And so it's like, we had all this footage, you know, it was probably 60 minutes worth altogether. And we're like, we need to, we can't just put this out as two short films. Let's, let's finish it. And so, um, one night in 2016, Ben and I used to get together um, when we would be working on a movie. You know, Ben will edit, and he'll spend a lot of time at his house editing things. He lives in Wisconsin, and about an hour from where I live. And then, you know, I'd say maybe we were on a track record of about once a month for at least two or three nights, sometimes as long as a week. <coughs> ben would come down and, you know, take some time away from his wife and his son and who were generous enough to let him, you know, come down and, and he and I would work together on, you know, these edits and I would be able to sit and watch him do what he does and he does it so well. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's really where, um, the concept came from is, you know, sitting and talking after editing all night. I think we were editing high on the hog at the time. And, uh, and, he was over and we just, we would sit in the garage afterwards and he would smoke cigarettes and I'd smoke cigars and we would bullshit about movies. And it was just like, Hey, you know, I've got this idea for finishing up chop shop. What do you think about this? And I pitched it to him. And, you know, I basically said, if, if you're willing to go in and produce this and, and co-direct this with me, you know, let's, let's finish it together. And, um, he agreed and we, we had to convince the rest of the crew from there and, you know, got the production underway and so we basically then in march and april of 2017 shot the stuff with the little girl and the babysitter and um and then the widow and charlie stuff and then ben spent the rest of the year editing it and uh and voila here we are with the skeletons in the closet which is crazy to see that it finally came together after all that time well, it's fantastic. So you guys did a great job with it. I have a question about the, um, so who came up with the concept for the sequence with the, um, the woman that's writing the book or writing the script or book about, uh, dreaming about killing her husband. I, I enjoyed that one. Who yeah, was I involved? did too. Who was involved with that one? Thanks. Um, so 
So that that short's called Meisner, and that was directed by the girl who's in the movie. Her name is Rian Owen, and oh. um, so she, her and I were dating at the time, and um, I had this concept for a short film or a movie that was called Stolen, and it was about a woman who, and this was, I had come up with this idea I, th- I want to say during creative writing class, um, I was actually talking about this. We did a podcast last night, so I'm reiterating the story. But uh, I was in creative writing class my junior year of college, and uh, I had this idea because at the time, this was like 2001, 2000. So this was right after Blair Witch had come out and all the all the offshoots like St. Francisville Experiment and, you know, all these other movies that were that were very gritty like that. I want to say that Session Nine might have been out around oh, then. Yeah, that's and a good even one. Though that wasn't, yeah, even though it wasn't found footage, it still had that kind of you know feel to it, that independent kind of gritty feel. And so I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to do a, an easy, low budget movie by having a, a video camera pop on in a basement, and it's sitting in front of a girl who's tied to a chair. Um, and this was before Saw had come out. And, and so I just, I wanted to do a movie where a girl wakes up in a basement tied to a chair and is being videotaped. And she basically realizes that she's going to be the sixth victim of a serial killer who has killed five other women in her area that she lives. And so she immediately realizes that that's what's happened to her. And she has to try and find out how to escape. And so slowly that idea evolved into... What if we actually play a trick on the audience and she's not actually tied up to a chair like halfway through either somebody comes home or she starts laughing because she breaks character and she like stops and almost says to herself, like, I, I got to take a break. I can't do this anymore. And like brings her hands out from behind her back and we see that she's not actually tied up. And that she's actually rehearsing for an audition for a movie that she's trying out for. Um, and so that's kind of where I, I pitched that idea to Rian because she was really interested in, um, in producing and, and acting in something. Um, and at the time we had done the muck as a short film for the ABCs of death two competition. Um, and when that ended up not winning, we ended up going and creating World of Death, which is the web series that we curate through bloodydisgusting.com. Um, and Ben's got a short film in that called Run Run Rutabaga. Um, run 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 Rudolph. Run Run ra- ra- Radiation is actually the name of it. Um, it was originally titled Mutation because, you know, all the, the ABC's contest was for the letter M. Right. And so yeah. I did a movie called The Muck, which is the trailer at the beginning of Skeleton. Which was great. Um, yeah, it was. And uh, thank you. And so we all and then we had like three or four other friends who also had short films that they entered in the contest. So we basically won when, when none of us won. We all said, all right, well, we all still own our short films. So let's do our own compilation. And so originally it was going to be called M's for Midwest. And we were going to take all these, you know, films that people had made for the, the ABC's contest and put them on our, on a disc and sell them. And so she was going to do Meisner and it was actually a Christmas present to her where we were going to produce and direct, you know, help her, you know, give her this film to direct and act in. And so we shot that in 
the early part of 2014. Um, and so it was another one of those projects that was just sitting on the shelf. And Rob Stern, who is Ben's and my co-producer and the cinematographer of uh, Skeletons in the Closet, as well as The Rake and, and our movie High and the Hog that's coming out next week, um, he, he, I believe, was the one who had suggested, you know, because we had all these projects that have, weren't being used, he was like, you know what, we need to get all these projects out there. So anything that's not currently out there, let's find a way to incorporate it into this anthology film and release it. Whatever the fuck it's called, it doesn't matter. Let's just get it out there. And so I think he's the one who said, look, let's just do, let's put Meisner in there too, because Rian also plays that severed corpse that's sitting in the camper next to the little TV as the guy is escaping from the camper. And wow. so it, it was a good segue to cut into her short film. I didn't and recognize her. You know, so it worked out. And and the way that Ben edits, he was able to, you know, give it that 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 real cool flair with the static and, and the tracking issues and stuff. And so that's kind of how we were able to just jump back and forth. And I think it worked out really well. Yeah, that was some fantastic editing work, and I also really liked the green smoke that would go off the screen to, like, change scenes. That during was really the, neat. During the grandma sequence, yeah. yeah. All of that with the tracking I really enjoyed. I know for me personally. Yeah, I liked that, it too. I remembered, you know, all of that back in the day, back in the 80s, that that was very, that was, you know. I'm I sure even asked what, you, I was like, was it really that bad? Uh, a few times, yeah, a few times. <laughs> It was. Um, that, that was the worst. When you would rent the tape from uh, the video store and it was all messed up because if the video store had already closed for the night, you couldn't go back and rent a new one. You know? Nope. <laughs> and you just have to sit there. I'm <laughs> just going to get a next, free rental. Until the next day and like <laughs> hope they give you a free rental, please. Now, I, th- I think that leads us into, well, I know we're gonna, there was the question we wanted to ask. That, that was a good segue. Yeah, about... Um, we kind of had, we, after watching the movie a second time, we had a question about the cast. So, um, I thought this would be a good segue to ask, were any of the cast, um, sort of maybe like a la Kevin Smith people that you guys knew or were, um, some of them or most of them people that actually auditioned for the roles or was it kind of a mixture of both? Well, like. In Ben's movie, The Dismantler, the, the, the guy that they, that Ellie calls Tank Top, um, he's actually Tony Lee Gratz. That's the gentleman that Ben said introduced Ben and I to one another. He was in my short film, A Chance in Hell. Nice. And he had worked in some stuff with Ben. He had worked on Ben's film, Ashley, um, which I still don't think anybody's ever seen. Ben's been producing this movie for like 10 years now. I think it's like 10 hours long or something. Um, cool. Four years long. Four hours long. Um, is it playing in, in that museum or no? Uh, not this year. But yeah, it's like a four-hour movie. And so so he, he was somebody that we both mutually knew. A lot of the people were, were local Chicago actors. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, like, Bruce Spielbauer's in there, and Willie Atkins is in there, and Elisa Maud, and um, you know, who, who else, uh, Rush Pearson and, you know, a lot of these people were, were local Chicago actors. I mean, even Elizabeth Stanhold, who plays the babysitter, um, Darcy Wood, 
uh, who's the news reporter who was also in the rake. Yeah, we um, noticed that, like, right off the bat. What's that? We noticed. We, noticed we, we recognized her. Yeah, she's actually been in everything I've done for the most part. She's the longest-running person that I've worked with. She was in my movie, It's My Party, and I'll Die If I Want To, when she was 20. We've been working together for over 12 years. Wow. Um, this point no actually it's been 14 years now um so and then and then other people like the little girl jamie um my good friend karen all three of her kids are actors and so as soon as she found out that i was the director um she was like oh well you know my kids are actors and i subsequently met them and uh, really liked the kids they're nice kids they're well-mannered they've got great personalities and uh, she just, you know, Lainey seemed to be perfect for the part. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, you know. Ellie, we met through, um, through because of High in the Hog. When we were doing our pickup shots for High in the Hog, I was looking for uh, kind of a screen queen actor that was comfortable with nudity because the, the DJ role in, in High in the Hog is a topless weed-smoking DJ. And so we wanted to have someone who was comfortable with with being in that position um and you know i was also looking for someone who had a reputation at the independent level um you know we had sid Haig, we had joe estevez we had robert zadar um, jesse boyd is in that movie he's been in a whole bunch of stuff he's in that show day five he was just in the nancy drew movie with the girl from it and uh he's been she's just done a whole bunch of stuff um he was on the Mind Hunter, the Netflix show. So it's like you know, we had all these these bigger names. So I wanted to, to try and tap into the independent market a bit, and Ellie was just the perfect solution to that that void. And after working with her on High and the Hog, we had such a great time working together that instantly, like I said earlier, you know, I went to Ben and I was like, dude, let's let's talk to Ellie about playing the widow. And Ben was like, you were thinking exactly what I was thinking. It's like we both had the same thought at the same time. It was really funny. <laughs> um, so it all just worked out. And it always does. Um, the guy who played Charlie, his name is Adam Michaels. And uh, you actually probably met him at the convention. I um, did. He was, he's, well, what drew me in was his art. He was um, selling pictures that he had drew. And then he led me over to you guys and was like, um, yeah, they actually just made a movie. I play in it. And then you, he immediately took me to you and you said 80s anthology. And I was like, I'm, you had me at 80s, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, and that's the great thing is that, that we were able to work in tandem like that and, and promote together and share the space at the convention. And, and we're really hoping to do that more often. Ben and I are going to be in Vegas in June um, at the Days of the Dead convention. I'm going to the Mad Monster Party in Arizona at the end of June. Um, I'll be at Whorehound in Indianapolis in September. So, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of conventions and would really love to try and have that, that dual dynamic again because I think it works really well. Um, but... You know, that's, that's the proof right there that of just how difficult it is to get your project out in audience to audiences nowadays that would appreciate it. You know, you girls, this movie is exactly for people like you, and you never would have heard for it, heard of it if you would have happened to walk past Adam's artwork that day and stopped and checked out some of his artwork and had him point you in the direction of the movie. 
Yeah, that's a that's a good point. But I'm really glad he did. <laughs> I'm really glad he was like, hey, you should check this out. Because even my friend that was with me has yet to see it. She, we're going to be watching it next week together. And she's so excited. She's She keeps telling me how badly she wants to watch it. And I was like, yeah, it's... um." I went into it not expecting anything and walked out of it like this was one of the best movies I've ever watched. So, and I've wow, always wow. <laughs> We're gonna quote that. We're gonna put that on a poster. Do it. <laughs> you have my permission. You have you absolutely have my permission because like I I really mean when I say like there are some people like you guys because I met both of you and you both were very sweet and. Meeting people like you who are just trying to get your movie out there and it be a diamond in the rough where it's just like you want people to see it. You want to help promote it because it's a hidden gem. And I think some of the best movies. Yeah, some of the best movies are hidden gems. So, well, first of all, thank you. I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to scarf down. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, you just work 12 hours. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. This is technically my breakfast, although I'm about to go to bed but um so <laughs> how many episodes have you guys recorded this is for this would well technically well that's well we should probably have let our audience know this from the start because <laughs> we've done this before so technically by the time this one this one will air um March, for, may first. for our may first episode so by the time this one airs we will have done this is 17 this will be 17 I think. this will yeah be this will 17. be the 17th episode because we record every week and we started in january because mm-hmm. you guys i mean you have a really good dynamic and you're, you're asking pertinent questions and you're you're able to carry the conversation it's nice you know we've been on some podcasts that you know it's it's difficult to like communicate with the people that you're talking to and they're supposed to be the ones leading the conversation so you know you guys have done a really nice job and compliments are very very nice again some really good quotes you know one of the best movies you've ever seen it it is well i'm a huge so i was i don't know if what episodes you've listened to um but thank you thank you by the way for saying that's very nice um i mean we don't neither one of us really had much of a background in this i i've (laughs) never interviewed i mean well I, the only time I've ever actually interviewed with with anyone is I worked with a friend of mine's podcast or p- their production company for a con- for a convention a few years back and um uh oh my gosh why did my brain just do that you'd have thought I'd be the one that just worked thirteen hours my brain <laughs> just went to total mush for a second um I was like wait what what. <laughs> This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Um, Jeez, old Pete's. Uh, no, I I interviewed or interviewed uh, Robert Kurtzman um, for the for a, a podcast for a friend of mine, and um, it didn't really go anywhere. I, I was so nervous the first time I did it because I was such a big. I you know I'd heard you say about Tom Savini. I think it's kind of funny that I myself never really got into special effects, because I've always been, I mean, from the time I can remember when I was a kid, I would watch movies like Batman or anything like that. And I would be fascinated with how, I I wanted to know how the special effects worked. Like, how did they get that person in prosthetics? How did they shoot that scene? How did that? And uh, so anybody that did any special effects work, I just gravitated to, I would see a name and then I would just gravitate to everything that they did. And I was such a big fan of Robert Kurtzman that I 
I kind of bricked, to be honest with you. I, I know that footage is out there somewhere. I hope to God nobody finds it. <laughs> We're going to uh, find it now. It's, I'm going to find it. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm so nervous. They edited it. They, they made me look really good the way they edited it. And thank God for, for, for friends. But it was... <laughs> I was, I remember being visibly nervous and sweating and cause I was such a big fan, but, um, yeah, we have no, we really have no background in this. So I, I have nothing. We I have absolutely it. nothing. I, um, just like talking to people and I like getting to know people and how, cause you know, you see when someone puts hard work into something, you want them to know it's appreciated, especially when it's good. So... Well, and I think too, we're, we're both, you know, again, we mentioned like we were gravitated so much to really wanting to talk to you guys and wanting to watch this movie because what we're doing in a sense is independent. You know, we're, we're, we're recording this in my spare bedroom of my house right now. Like this is, we're not professional, you know, by any means and have never done, you know, this is, we're new to all of this. So Anybody that can support us in something that we're starting out and is essentially independent for us, we want to turn around and promote and support them as well. Cause that's a, it was started off that started off as a very tiny community now that's growing and growing and growing in independent movies, independent podcasts, and any way that you can cross promote and cross support is, is huge. I feel. It's yeah. Really so we important. really appreciate you guys coming on here and, you know, all the compliments from you guys too. That means a lot. Oh, for sure. Again, it's, you know, we, I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people who get to a certain level in, in terms of Hollywood success forget is that if it wasn't for people like you guys, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And so, I mean, there, there will never be a moment where um, I can certainly say for myself. And I, I know that Ben is, is very, much of the same mentality that we would never um, take for granted the the people that appreciate what we create and, and enjoy it. You know, I mean, it's because of you guys that we're able to keep doing what we do. So at this point now, it's just a matter of getting enough people to know about it so that they can check it out and hopefully enjoy it like you guys do. And, and then that'll help perpetuate us on to the next project because, you know, without money, you can't make a movie. <laughs> It's an unfortunate thing. Mm-hmm. Money makes <laughs> well, the world go around. You can, it just won't be any good. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you um, essentially could, but it would be crap. What but. I was going to say was, I don't know if you listened to like the first episode or anything, but um, I was raised where horror movies were evil. So I actually didn't even start watching horror movies until I was around 15 or 16. But like now it's all I ever watch. So... Bible Belt? Do what? Were you raised in the Bible Belt? Where are you from? Ohio. I mean, Ohio, yeah. I mean, kind of, sort of. Oh, yeah. Very <laughs> progressive state. Wink, yeah. wink. But what's weird is we live in a, Ohio is a, is a conservative state, but there's a lot of liberal cities. It's, we're, yeah, Ohio's a weird we're state. Just a, we're just a it's fucked a up weird puppy. state. <laughs> we are. We really are. <laughs> um, no, I was actually raised I, Baptist, too. So I was raised in the, the one of the most like I was independent Baptist, so it was very walk into the church nineteen twenties setting looking kind of style. So I horror movies like even to this day, my mom will ask me, "Why do you watch horror movies? They're evil." And I'm like, "Actually, they're not." But you know, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> but um, and my background was 
we're, we have a 10 year age difference and my background Mm -hmm. was totally different. My mom loved horror. I mean, I started watching horror movies probably way before I ever should have been allowed to watch horror movies and, and literally started off. I mean, my mom was a John Carpenter fan and a Wes Craven fan and a Tim Burton fan and do what? Smart lady. Oh, my mom was the shit. So yeah, now I'm sitting here going, yeah. your mom was very, very awesome. Yeah, mom <laughs> mom was the whore. mom was the one that like went all out for Halloween and like Halloween was bigger than Christmas. Like As mom, it should be. Mom went all out. <laughs> so yeah, I grew up with like literally nothing but horror and and got to come in at like the very beginning of it with the Nightmare on Elm Street and and those kind of movies. So I've just it's just all, I've always been a part of it, and I've seen horror kind of ebb and flow and go through all of its different incarnations and and everything. So, well, how about you guys? How, who's some of your guys' favorite? Was say enough about us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as far as like horror movies go, who are your favorite directors? Yeah, inspirations. As far as you know, I named off a few. <laughs> I'm trying to let you go first, Ben. <laughs> Uh, we're probably going to have the same answer as you go. Uh, I mean, obviously Carpenter is huge. Um, John Carpenter is, is easily my number one, um, go-to for, for inspiration. Cause his, not only are his movies so awesome, but he's got such a vast catalog of awesome films that stretch across the spectrum of, of filmmaking in general. Like he's got multiple genres that he's tapping into, um, and and so some of my favorite movies are from Carpenter. Um, I really like uh, a lot of Stanley Kubrick. Oh. I like early Ridley Scott. You know, Blade Runner and Alien are absolutely phenomenal films. I'm there. freaking out over here. She is. She's like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kubrick's Shining is is a huge influence on me. Um, and I I like a lot of older horror films 70s and 80s stuff that builds foreboding atmosphere and you know ominous kind of uh tension um you know movies like the changeling and ghost story and um you know i i was raised on movies like that where you know they were on like blank vhs tapes in my parents movie catalog in the family room and i would just kind of like go into the you know they had this thing that had like drawers it was like three drawers that you could open and it had the vhs tapes in it you know and they were like had it slots. my parents have yeah. one of those <laughs> had it. And, uh, so we we had those and and i just instantly as soon as i was able to read i gravitated to the horror stuff and they had um you know like i said they had uh ghost story um a lot of the older black and whites too but but yeah that's that's really the stuff that I'm really into is kind of that atmospheric foreboding stuff. Um, you know, I think that that's where you really can scare an audience if you can build the atmosphere and the tension and then jump out and scare them or create something that startles them. Um, you know, uh, a great example of that is like Exorcist 3, where, you know, there's a couple moments in that movie where you're sitting there and you're like, man, this is fucked up. Man, this is fucked up. Man, this holy shit, what the fuck was that? Yep. You know? <laughs> yep, those are the best kind of movies. 
in my opinion, those are the best ones. I personally those. love the atmospheric ones yeah. as well. I like the slow burn. Yeah. Like you're you're creeped you're you're creeped the fuck out through the whole movie and then the ending is just like, what in the actual fuck was that? Like those <laughs> are the those are the best. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know Ben's a, a little more ingrained in uh in, you know, like legit movies, you know, like um you know, AFI's top 100 films. He's a big fan of Freakin', um, but not just The Exorcist, a lot of the rest of his catalog, stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I'm a big... Did you enjoy um, Bug? I did. I, I was a big fan of Bug. I know I know that was one of those where people were very iffy about it. I was a huge... I've, I've watched that so many times. You ever seen Cruising? Yes! That's another good one. Great, yeah, that's another one. Fuel injected. Stainless steel chrome. Yes. That's another one. That was a class. I used to get that one and uh oh. There were a lot of those movies around that time that came out that were similar, and I used to get them confused, but that one was one, yeah. That was a favorite for sure. Nighthawks and 10 to Midnight. What's the <laughs> other one, Ben? Oh. Anything made by Canon. What's the one with Chuck Norris? Silent you name Rage. it. Was it Silent Rage? Is that what it was? Yeah, Silent Rage is probably the only one that he did that could be uh, uh, labeled as horror. And Silent Rage is a good one, too. Okay, I've never seen I Silent Rage. I'm over here like I've never seen any of them. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get this is this is the age gap thing though we'll that Casper. I love that I'm like teach me these ways. Yeah, you're like <laughs> introduce well, me to these things. Young, young Padwan, we will, we will pass. The, <laughs> young Grasshopper, we will pass the Jedi knowledge on to you. Trust me, we'll get. Yeah, you I'm I'm day. only 25 years old, so there's a lot of stuff that I'm still being introduced to by most of my best friends are a lot older than me, which I really like because like i said my heart belongs in the 80s <laughs> so well you get that knowledge of like what came to be especially in horror because mm -hmm. like i said there's been so many incarnations of horror over the years that you've got to see like you've got to experience like from the originals because I, I mean like i said i've lived through everything i lived through you know the the really shitty years of nothing but remakes and then you know like oh you mean like right now well, yeah, it's <laughs> happening all over again now. Everything is just... But uh, again, like, that's why we love this movie so much. You guys had... You had, you know, you, you pulled from areas that inspired you, but you had an original concept to the to the movie. And, and I think the thing that's really going to pull a lot of people in that pulled us in was the... Um, just the the 80s part of it, like the nostalgia, that's the word I'm looking for, the nostalgia of it. Anybody that lived through that, it takes you right back to those to those moments where you're like, oh my God, I remember that. I remember that. I remember this. Well, that's all he had to say. He was like 80s. I'm like, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have one more question for you guys. Um, yeah. For the, for the movie. Did you guys have to build a set or were the, were they filmed in actual like, your anybody's houses oh, or good question. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'll answer that. Uh, so the skeleton stuff with the widow and Charlie, 
was our buddy Joe Meglio's grandma's basement. He's um, his grandma was this sweet old Italian lady, um, and her house was still very much decorated like it was the 1960s. So um, we were looking for something older because my my idea is that you know the widow has kept Charlie's body in the basement and doesn't like nobody goes down there, so it really hasn't been updated at all. Um, so when we were looking for a 60s basement, I think our co-producer, Sarah Sharp, was the one who was initially like, oh, you should talk to Joe. You know, Joe might have a location for you. Or I don't remember if that's who put me in touch with him or not, but Joe subsequently also recorded all the audio for the movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he... He had us go over and we checked out the grandma's basement. That was perfect. And, and then we just kind of moved furniture around and set it up. And um, and that was that. And then the family room for the babysitter and the little girl was um, uh, the house that I used to live in was my friend Jim's house. Um, Jim does a lot of our DIT work, which is like the data wrangling on a movie set. And, um, you know, kind of like organizes the files for the edit. And uh, he also does a lot of lighting and camera assisting. And so he and I were living together along with our, our co-producer and cinematographer, Rob Stern. And uh, his house is still very much 1980s. That's where we shot the muck as well. Um, and then the basement is actually where we shot the girl tied to the chair. Um, oh, nice. So we use the house in a lot of different pieces of the movie. You just don't really recognize that it's the same house because of the angles and the lighting being different. Um, yeah, it's it's funny actually because Jamie's kitchen is also Casey's kitchen. I actually um, recognized that because yeah, I was like, "Why does that ground kitchen ground look so familiar?" <laughs> <laughs> I obviously wasn't paying attention. That's really cool though that you guys are able to make it. Because even I, I was like, is that the same kitchen? Because I was questioning it. I'm like, it looks the same, but I wouldn't know. <laughs> so. Yeah, we just tried to shoot different angles. And, and again, the, the movies were made, you know, six years apart. So, um, you know, between the, the babysitter Jamie stuff and the Grandma Mally stuff. Um, actually, it was like four years between them. But even still, um, yeah, you know, we, we just, we used what we could. You know, we did what we could with what we had. Skeletons in the Closet is a very low-budget movie, um, and so we we really wanted to try and save money wherever we could, and that was one way to save money was to use locations that we had access to. So we did it. You wouldn't know it was low-budget. You wouldn't know. Thanks. I wouldn't know. I mean, you guys made it. You did fantastic on a low-budget. Can I ask who, who did the... Um the sequences with, like, Channel 13 News and, like, those those kind of spliced in channel 13 fuck yeah yeah i mean those were the best i mean especially like the midnight movie thing that was amazing because i mean we're sitting there watching those and i'm like i think i've seen all of those because i you know my my parents were older and grew up you know like with the original house on haunted hill and night of the living dead and the wasp woman the original fly like i was familiar with all of those movies because those were the ones that my dad watched as a kid and then I subsequently watched as a kid myself. So like those sequences were just, those were great. I loved those. Who, whose voice was that? May I ask that did like the news and like who kind of spliced those together? Those were, those were awesome. That's me. Oh, sweet. Well, thank you. <laughs> do it, man. Do it. 
I can't do it. I got a, I got a cold. Oh, sorry. <laughs> It'll sound a bit. It easy, was awesome, though. <laughs> we had uh, in in the script. It was Channel Thirteen. You know, Channel WSPI Channel Thirteen. But then after Ben had done, I, I believe the initial edit, and he can he can affirm this. Um, you know, he he was just like something's missing, and so he put in that narration of the Channel Thirteen kind of broadcaster voice and uh and it it just made it great and the funny thing is is that he wanted to have our composer dc mcauliffe recreate the voice and i was like fuck no dude you're hysterical you need to you need to just stay in there with your voice because it's great it was i didn't want to yeah i didn't want to keep my voice in there i didn't think it was uh i don't particularly find i don't really think i'm funny um so i decided you know Get a funny guy to do it, but yeah, give that give that credit to Tony because I really wanted to replace my voice. Well, well I'm glad he did. I'm glad he didn't because yeah, I liked it. I can definitely say for <laughs> now. Sure now I, I understand why when you signed my copy, you put <laughs> Channel 13. Fuck yeah! I told you. I said this will make sense later. Yeah, I tell everybody that. Like I realize I'm swearing on your uh, on your copy of your Blu-ray. Trust me. <laughs> Well, my, I mean, our podcast is called Don't Fuck With the Original. Clearly, we don't give a fuck if there's a swear word on the Yeah, Blu-ray. that was interesting having to tell my grandma. So, honey, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, well, let's talk about my mom. Let's talk about my mom and my dad, who's, yeah. you know, like, Baptist. And my mom's like, oh, what's the name of your podcast? And I'm like, don't screw with the original. Yeah, my dad's very I'm not cruel. saying fuck in front of them. I yeah. don't want to be crucified. So. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was different. My grandma, it was rough. Everybody else in the family is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's don't fuck with the original and they're like oh did you have to use a swear word yeah i kind of had to use a swear word the swear guys. word is what makes it legit <laughs> <laughs> we kind of had to use a swear yeah. word. <laughs> well um did we want to go do you want to go over uh, did you guys want to talk about the rake at all i mean were there we did have a couple questions i mean i i had a couple quick questions about the movie um if you guys don't care yeah, yeah, no. What we were talking about earlier is just that Ben Ben was the original editor on the movie, and um, and then we ended up it, it ended up getting re-edited um, by our producing partners. So that's that's the only reason why we were saying that stuff earlier. So I'm more than happy to answer questions about the rig. Though. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, because you sent us the copy, and thank you again, and we we appreciated it because we watched that first, and then watched um, Skeletons in the Closet. But uh, what? Um, I know my two questions and I'll, I'll start off with the first one was, um, you know, if people were, you know, like I told you before we started recording that, um, I was familiar, I I'm a big creepypasta fan. I was familiar with the creepypasta story. Um, and I know that the movie itself really doesn't follow this, the story necessarily, but you know, obviously the vision of the rake, but, um, the storyline in, in your movie, what essentially was the uh, inspiration for that? Um, I wanted to make, I wanted to make a movie that was The Shining meets Alien. Um, nice. I, I, I wanted, we were trying to make a feature length version of The Muck and we spent the entire, the better part of 2014 trying to find producers and investors to make that film. And when we couldn't, um, find the people to, to get that film made, I was kind of disappointed and I was sitting talking with Jason Kane, who is the special effects guy who does all of our effects work in the movies. 
and he's a big horror fan too. And he's just like, well, you know, fuck it. Why don't we just do a movie about the ring? That's a really cool creepypasta. And he's been telling me about this for a while now. And he, he hands me his phone and has me read the story. And I was like, all right, you know, I mean, like maybe I could do something like this. And ultimately it was a matter of creating a story that surrounds a small number of characters in a small number of locations, because if you can restrict it to, to a minimalistic nature like that, it's cheaper. And so we figured if we can do a movie like that, where we still do cool special effects because, you know, Jason and his team can create some cool effects work for relatively low budget. We can make a, a, a pretty cool looking feature like movie for next to nothing. And that's really what we set out to do initially. Um, and so my inspiration was the shining meets alien. And then I brought co-writer Jeremy Silva onto the project um, because I'm not very good in my opinion of writing dialogue and, and character development. And so Jeremy came on board and whipped up this really awesome script, you know, and, uh, and that's pretty much where it came from. But yes, it's very loosely based on really the only thing we pulled from the rake urban legend is just the title itself. I mean, you know, it's more, I'd say it's more like slender man than it is like the rake. Yeah. Um, I definitely saw the slender man yeah, similarities. Agreed. Yeah. And I like slender man's urban legend more than the rake anyway. The only thing I don't like about Slenderman is how he looks. I think the whole suit concept is kind of stupid. You know, it's not scary to me. He looks like an accountant. <laughs> so. He's going to set up a table and do your taxes. I'm going to do taxes. <laughs> exactly. And steal exactly. your soul. I know. I'm going to, you owe me your soul. <laughs> Which is essentially what taxes are. Yeah, right. So, uh, yes. yeah. So that is kind of scary, actually. If you think about it. Actually, wait, um, Slenderman is scary. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, I, you know, I know for me personally, and and not to get into all of that, um, but I know one thing that really touched me about the story is my life has been personally affected, um, family and other things otherwise, with um, mental illness and drug addiction. Um, and I know that I, I sympathized so much with the the main character. Because I think a lot of the movie, uh-oh, somebody's getting in the car. Um, I think a lot of the movie, a lot of the movie. Um, I think that was a microwave. Has to do with. Yep. Oh, it is a microwave. Yeah, okay. I was like, I think I that's a microwave. What's that sound? Name that sound. Um, it's not, I was told. Welcome wrong. to Don't Fuck With The Original. Name, Name that, that sound. sound. Uh, yeah, I fucked that up. I thought that was a car door. Um, but sorry, I was like really deep in like drug addiction, mental illness, microwave. Uh, so <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. That was great. Uh, but I know for me that I really sympathized with her because, you know, that, that was so rough for her to try to like get everybody to, to like, no, this isn't in my head. This isn't coming from me not taking my meds. This isn't coming from you know, anything in my head, this is real, this is really happening, but, like, nobody would believe her because of that stigma of her, you know, quote-unquote, having a drug addiction, having a mental illness, but all of that coming from this, this rake, this thing, so I know that was something about the movie that I, that really endeared me to it, and I think anybody else that sees it, like you, you really sympathize with her, especially if you've had any of those things connected in your in your own personal life. Um, I mean, I can come from that standpoint as well. Yeah, 
But um, I know the other the other question I had too, and I, I you kind of already answered it before um, was uh, what was the name? I I really wanted to give a shout out again to the name of the guy that did the special effects because like I had said before that um, I really enjoy movies that have kind of like a slow creepy burn and in the end is like oh and that's definitely what this movie was for me and that that creature those creature effects the kill scenes were just brilliant and uh you know you're i'm so the the ending real or the beginning of the movie really got you and then the rest of the movie was just really unsettling and then by the end of it you're like holy shit dude when he was coming out of the fucking dude yeah. i was like i don't like Whoa, that boy. <laughs> um but yeah i really wanted to give another shout out i think you mentioned his name but the guy that did the um creature effects and the special effects because that was just that was, was very brilliant good. brilliant yeah, Jason Kane um, has been working with me since 2010. He was one of the artists that um, uh, that my friend Chris Patrick, who ran special effects on my earlier films, uh, he brought him on for A Chance in Hell, along with a handful of other artists from the Savini School. And uh, after that, Jason just so happened to live in Illinois and was only about a half an hour from where I lived. So we just started kind of working together and hanging out and became really good friends. And, um, and so that's really where that just kind of came from. And, uh, and we've just been collaborating ever since. And so when he, you know, said, let's do a monster movie, let's do the race. I kind of listened to him, you know, talk about it. I read the story, kind of ran with it and started coming up with these ideas in my head of what I want the monster to look like. And Jason's really good at, at taking, you know, the ideas that I throw at him and then bringing them to life with his sculpts, with his sculptures. Um, and then he had a really awesome team of artists with him. I'd say there was about 15 special effects artists altogether that worked on the movie. Um, and, you know, two of the central guys were Tom Cassidy and Reed Cesar, who um, had just graduated from Savini School. And so what I do is when I make a movie, I call up the the, the admissions guy at Savini School. I say, hey, you know, I'm making a movie. Do you have any students that would be interested in getting real credit on a movie, you know, to work on one? And so these guys that just were graduating and were going to be driving to California. So they basically stopped in Illinois on their way out to California and spent three weeks living in my in my house with Rob, Jim and I and building half of the creature suit in the basement. Um, so it was just really cool, you know, how it all came together and how everybody's talents played a, a, an integral part in bringing it together. You know, there was, like I said, 15 different artists, I'd say, who were working on that movie um, in the effects area. And Jason, Jason Kane is just, he's, he's, he's really good at, at and just creating really awesome special effects. I mean, he's got a knack for it. He, I can see that. He also does. Um, <laughs> he's really good. Yeah, he's really, really good. And uh, he's so good that he does the, the mask for Clown from Slipknot. Um, really? Oh, my wow. God. Yeah, so that's like kind of his. I always like to mention that because I think that that really showcases just how good he is at what he does, you know. Um Clown had seen Sean Crayon, had seen some of Jason's work and was like, started talking to him and started talking about potentially collaborating on stuff. And he eventually was like, hey, I want you to do my mask for the new tour. And so, um, you know, 
it, it's just been really cool um, to see how Jason's grown as an artist. Um, you know, the rake I think was was the pinnacle of, of his talent as as an effects artist. You know, he did that full body creature suit, and his team created all those death sequences. Um, you know, I think almost as cool as the rake itself is the female rake in the woods. I think she's fucking creepy as hell. Yeah, yeah. that was oof. yeah. Oof. <laughs> very just that sound right there, very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Now that that right there, Sam Nolte, who was the actress who played the female rake, that girl deserves a round of applause. It was that was April third of twenty fifteen, and it was probably like zero degrees outside that night and she was standing in the woods completely naked covered in makeup that wouldn't allow her to see or smell and she could probably barely hear you know i i don't know how she did but she kicked some serious ass no applause to her she did it patiently yeah round of applause to that young lady because (laughs) let me tell you there is i don't i don't i don't know i don't think i would have had it in me i mean that's a you're you loved your, you gotta love your craft and you gotta love your art to make that kind of dedication. And it, it showed, it, it showed for mm-hmm. sure. Cause it was creepy as fuck. I mean, it really, really, really was. And again, it was one of those climac- climactic moments in the movie, like where you're already creeped, creeped out <laughs> right. and then she pops out and you're like, what the fuck is that? And yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. I appreciate the compliments on it. A lot of people put a lot of time into that movie and, uh, you know, it's it's not getting the promotion that I think it deserves, and it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, it's out there, and it's available everywhere. So if your listeners want to watch The Rake, they can either go to my website, scottsworthy.com, and go to the store, and they can pick up a copy from me by contacting me, or along with Skeletons in the Closet and all of our other wonderful merchandise, including those Skeletons in the Closet t-shirts. Yay! Yay. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> you can also watch The Rake and Skeletons in the Closet on Amazon Prime. You can watch them on iTunes. If you have Comcast and many of the other cable avenues, you can rent the rake on there as well. Um, you used to be able to buy it at Walmart. I don't know if they've cycled it off the shelves or not by now, but it may be in the $5 bin. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just, I appreciate the compliments. I'm glad you enjoyed it because it, it was a definite labor of love. That was a baby of mine that, uh, that I, I wish would receive a little more love than it's been getting. But, uh, you know, that's that's kind of part of the industry. You just got to deal with it. Well, we'll definitely do our best to, you know, we'll get it out there. And especially when we release this episode, I'll be posting it all over the social media. So. Well, thank you very much. Um, now, the one you said is coming out next week. What is that one? So, Hi on the Hog. Um. Ben, do you want to talk about it? Uh, High in the Hog is a, what I like to call a uh, retro grindhouse action movie, stoner movie. Right up my alley. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you like, uh, if you like an out of control movie, this is probably it. It's got everything you'd want in a, uh, uh, in a grindhouse movie, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, um, guns, women. Uh, I can't give you the details, but everybody's naked in this. Uh, <laughs> That's a great detail. I tried to keep it. 
I tried to keep it. I tried to keep it fair. Um, even if the penises are covered with pickles and bananas. Even yeah, <laughs> most definitely. And eggplants. Uh, yeah, that and... comes out. Uh, that debuts uh, Friday at uh, is it Arena Cine Lounge in yeah. Hollywood. Hell and yeah! And there will be a there will be uh, it'll be available on VOD sometime after that, as well as in some other cities. Um, the executive producer Kevin Lockhart's taking it on like a bit of a road tour, from what we understand. Um, and it you can pre-order it on iTunes, uh, Google Play. Um, I know it's on Fandango as well. Um, so it's it's really cool. It's Sid Haig in a role that you've never seen him in before. It's also Bobby uh, Robert Sadar's last movie, the guy who was Maniac Cop and uh, yep. the Tango and Cash. Um, it's his last movie before he passed away. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really proud of the movie. We're really excited for people to see it. It's batshit crazy. <laughs> ben, ben edited it. Um, and the edit of it is absolutely batshit crazy. I think, I think Ben drank about six Red Bulls a day when he was working on that movie. Probably. <laughs> Hell yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm already excited. I mean, when I knew we were going to be doing this podcast and talking about it and I looked up you know, high on the hog, it's like right up my alley. I mean, again, grew up with the love, love the exploitation films, love the gr- grew up with all of the uh, black exploitation films. Big Sid Haig fan, so I'm I'm more than excited to see this. Me, well, me too. Like said, check out check out some of the older stuff too. Check out it's my party and I'll die if I want to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Fun. The DVD is a choose your own adventure movie too. <gasps> Oh, Yay. he just spoke to my heart. <laughs> I'm a big gamer too, so oh, oh. hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you can if you have if you buy the DVD, you can um you have the regular movie on one disc, and the other disc has the choose your own adventure version, which allows you to pick which direction the characters go. It like turns into comic book panels, kind of like creep show. Oh, and fuck yeah! That's the character you guys to turn over again. And it's all footage. It's there's a bunch of new footage, like twenty minutes of new footage that's not in the regular movie. So it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's it's my first movie, so it looks like shit because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> you know, as Ben would say. Um, but it's actually Ben's favorite movie I've directed, surprisingly enough. It is. It is. Oh, awesome. Which well, is funny because he's worked on the other three I directed. All right. Well, um, I know that you're probably pretty tired right now. So, did we have? Was there anything else we wanted to go over with them? No, I I didn't have any more questions. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say or ask or or promote or anything? Well, I think you um, you know, if you want to find us, uh, Ben and I are both on Facebook and Instagram. He is September Sun Films. Um. And uh, on Instagram, I'm Scotchworthy. And on Facebook, I have Scotchworthy as well as myself, Tony Wash. Um, Skeletons in the Closet has a Facebook page, so jump on there and like it. Um, that way you can find out if there's screenings in your area or, and, and whatnot. Um, you can also, like I said, make sure you go to you know the Scotchworthy website, and uh, which is scotchworthy.com, like a bottle of scotch and worthy, like we are not worthy, but all one word. And uh, you can pick up any of our merchandise there, including the Skeletons Blu-ray. You can get the Skeletons shirt. 
You can order Skeleton Soundtrack on vinyl, which I'm supposed to be getting from the printing company next week. Super stoked about that. Yeah, Soundtrack kinda, is amazing. Yeah, I love this. Who who sang that? The theme song. Which one? The theme song? Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my good friend Vic Vasquez um, was in an 80s hair metal band named Cutlass that was pretty big in Chicago in the 80s. And so I... I, he's always been talking about wanting to collaborate with me. So I asked him, I said, would you be willing to give me an eighties theme song that sounds like it's made, like, like if rat had given me a hair metal song. Hell like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened. Oh, it was awesome. Sweet. Well, Ben, yeah. we hope you feel better. Too. Yeah. Sorry. We, the spring, spring cold suck. So we hope you feel better and thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks to the yeah, both of you. Thanks so much for having us on the show. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. And um, we absolutely love talking to you guys. And we can't wait to watch your older movies and your newer movies. And you got our support. Yep. And all of our listeners, check well, them thank out. You. To all our listeners, thank check you, them thank out. You, thank you. Watch everything they've done. Um, and we will be getting those shirts. Yes. <laughs> Excited. Sounds good to me, girls. Just let me know when you're ready to order them. All right, well, we appreciate it, guys, and get some sleep and get some rest and feel better, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Have a good night. All right, you, you guys, too. too. See you guys. All right. All right, bye-bye. Bye. bye. All right, well, that was really good. Ghoul. Oh, my God, that, that was, was really ghoul. That was Mean Girls. Gruel. <laughs> Good and cool. Gruel. Or great and cool. Great and cool. Gruel. Anyway, that was yeah. really cool. cool. They were, I almost did it again. Oh, my goodness. Um, that was Gruel. And uh, we we want to thank um, Tony and Ben again for uh, doing this. This was awesome. Um, and, again, I think, like we mentioned, or maybe we didn't mention, um, we are recording this in April, but you guys will be listening to it um, for our May 1st episode. Hey! So, um, we're excited. Um, you guys check out all their social media, and if you can... Um, Definitely you, watch the movie Skeletons yeah, in the Closet. watch Skeletons in the Closet and The Rake, and check out all of uh, Tony and Ben's early stuff, too, for sure. Yeah. And then you can find us on social media at Instagram, Facebook... And Twitter, don't fuck with the original. Twitter's handle is DFWTO8811. You can find us on Castbox, Podbean, and Podcast Player at Don't Fuck With The Original. Also, you know, if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to email our email account at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And a special shout out again to our sponsor um, at Calm Your Body Down. Um, check them out for all the. Uh, for body creams, bath bombs, all of that stuff for relaxations. They go great after a horror movie. You just want to relax after a horror movie or maybe want to listen to a true crime podcast while you're taking a bath. And so check out Calm Your Body Down, get some bath bombs, um, follow at CRBD on Instagram. Um, the shop on Etsy is etsy.com slash shop slash calm your body down. And uh, any info on the company, uh, the website is calmyourbodydown.com. And you can also find, oh wait, you said Instagram. The link it. for it is on Instagram though. Yep. So if you go in the bio, it's right there. Yeah, show some love and support, guys. It's my company. Put a lot of love and money into it. <laughs> like those guys were talking about. Anything that you do is going to be a labor of love, but I'm excited about it. So 
please support. And lastly, next week is all about Pet Cemetery. Hell yeah. I'm we, sure by now most of you have seen the remake. By the time this airs, we will have seen it. And we are so excited to to do a podcast about this because we both absolutely loved the original movie and we're so stoked when a remake was coming out and even more stoked that Stephen King was in full support of it. He himself absolutely loves it. So we're we're excited. And he loved the it remake and I it was fucking amazing. So yeah. I'm I'm really I'm excited to see it. Me too. So we'll be talking about the old one and the new one. We'll be doing some comparisons and we'll, you know, probably talk about which we liked better and whatnot. So even with Don't Fuck with the Original, we're still talking about the remake. Yep. So see. <laughs> because the original creator is in support. So that's where you can fuck with the original. As yes. long as the original likes it. As long so as the original is original is okay, then you can fuck with it. That's where we make the exceptions. <laughs> the original is okay, you can fuck with it. Otherwise, don't fuck with the original. There you like go. Like we said. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Have an awesome week. See ya. Bye.